Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the Alabama Swamp Rabbit in the chair next to me is Ellen. Specifically, Alabama? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you going to start going through an animal for each state? Only if you do the accent for each state. Oh, that's not going to go well at all. (laughs) But I'll try. Let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Mind you, I am going to use my normal inconsistent accent for this. (laughs) Probably not even on purpose. (laughs) Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 7 and the somewhat corresponding film scenes. For once, Harry is so wrapped up in his own issues, he has lost his appetite for meddling and breakfast. Molly's nervous energy manifests itself through fussing over everything. Everyone borrows some words of wisdom from Dumbledore's cross-stitch collection to try and boost morale. The Ministry of Magic is the spin-off of the office that we didn't know we needed. And Arthur is the one who takes Harry to the Ministry, but make no mistake, no arm twisting was necessary to get him to take that trip through Muggle London. During episode 128, Nihilist Chicken, our Potter pondering was, would you rather arrive at the ministry by flu powder, apparition, or the visitor's entrance? Hi friends, it's Juliana with this week's Potter pondering. Would I rather travel by flu powder, apparition, or the visitor's entrance? Flu powder is my least favorite way of transportation because I'm an asthmatic, so hard pass on that one. I would definitely work on apparition because I just want to be the best witch I can, Ravenclaw for the win. But the visitor entrance seems really interesting, so I'm torn between apparition and the visitor's entrance. I think I would do both. Have a good day. Hey Ellen, hey Katie, Jackson here with this week's Pondering. Would I rather arrive at the Ministry of Magic by the visitor's entrance, flu powder, or apparating? Considering all those three, I would probably go with flu powder. I mean, visitor's entrance would be second place. So if I couldn't do flu powder, it would be the visitor's entrance. The visitor's entrance is awesome, but just for me, flu powder just seems like the best of the three because... Of how much of a klutz I am, I would end up splinting myself the first go with apparating. And the visitor's entrance, while cool at first, eh, probably get a little boring after a while. So probably flu powder. That'd be my choice. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. How would I like to travel to the ministry? would be flu powder i like where they came out especially how they showed it in the movies like all the fireplaces all lined up and everybody pulled up in that same little area and was just heading off to their offices be really neat to pull up right in that area i promise you if i was a witch i would never fucking apparate never never i'm scared i'm sorry maybe alongside a very skilled professional but i wouldn't even try okay i wouldn't even try i'm scared Hey guys, Mike calling in with Potter Pondering. I think if it were up to me, I would probably go every entrance at least once. 
because they're all pretty cool and just kind of I want to see what they all were. Although I do kind of get Mr. Weasley not wanting to go to the visitor entrance if he's thinking about what the actual employee entrance is like. Probably like, how can this get worse? But of course, conditions are worse for the employees than they are for the visitors. But he probably has his own freaking entrance. Other than that, I'd probably just apparate every day. Like, to be honest, I'm definitely the type that likes to roll out of bed, you know, shower, do whatever needs doing, and then no commute time would be ideal. Like, right now, I'm driving possibly two hours of work every day. So if I could get that down to zero, I would be over the moon. But yeah, that's my thoughts there. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, what offices are located on level three at the Ministry of Magic? Level three, Department of Magical Accidents and Catastrophes, including the Accidental Magic Reversal Squad, Obliviator Headquarters, and Muggleworthy Excuse Committee. It's a mouthful. It is. Do you like how I said that like the elevator, though? You did great. <laughs> Congratulations goes to Jackson Miller. Woohoo! Man, we are still having quite a variety of people answering. Mm-hmm. No streaks in a while. No. Will Jackson get it this week and start to streak back up? Will Mike answer again? Will it be Michaela? Someone else? Who knows? We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 7 the Ministry of Magic, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 7, The Ministry of Magic, Part 2 The lift continues to clatter upward, stopping at Level 5, Department of International Magical Cooperation, incorporating the International Magical Trading Standards Body, the International Magical Office of Law, and the International Confederation of Wizards, British Seats. The doors open and several witches and wizards step out, along with a couple of the memos. Several more memos zoom in and then they continue to level four, Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures, incorporating Beast, Being, and Spirit Divisions, Goblin Liaison Office, and Pest Advisory Bureau. The wizard with the fire-breathing chicken exits here, along with more memos, and the lift keeps moving up to level three, Department of Magical Accidents and Catastrophes, including the Accidental Magic Reversal Squad, Obliviator Headquarters, and Muggle-Worthy Excuse Committee. On this floor, everyone exits, including the remaining memos, except Mr. Weasley, Harry, and a witch reading a piece of parchment so long it touches the floor. The elevator moves to Level 2, the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, including the Improper Use of Magic Office, Aurora Headquarters, and Wizengamot Administration Services. Mr. Weasley leads Harry off the lift at this point, telling him that his office is on the other side of the floor. They pass a window filled with streaming sunlight, which Harry wonders about since he thought they were underground. Mr. Weasley confirms that and explains that they are enchanted windows. They turn a corner and walk through a pair of heavy oak doors and enter a cluttered open area divided into two cubicles. A nearby sign reads, or headquarters, and Harry looks through the doorways as they pass, seeing walls plastered with everything from wanted posters, family photographs, Quidditch team posters, and articles from the Daily Prophet. He sees a long-haired wizard sitting with his feet propped up on a desk, dictating a report to his quill, and a witch with an eye patch talking to Kingsley Shacklebolt. 
As they approach the pair, Kingsley carelessly says, Morning, Weasley, and tells him that he wants to have a word if he's got a second. Just as nonchalantly, Mr. Weasley replies yes if it really is just a second since he's in a hurry. Harry starts to greet Kingsley too, but Mr. Weasley steps on his foot to stop him. They follow the aura to the very last cubicle, and Harry is shocked to see Sirius's face blinking down at him from every direction, from newspaper cuttings and old photographs. Kingsley brusquely hands Arthur a sheaf of parchment and requests as much information as possible on flying muggle vehicle sightings, since they received information that Sirius might still be using his old motorcycle. He then winks at Harry and adds in an undertone to give him the magazine, saying he might find it interesting, before raising his voice again to tell him not to take too long. Arthur gives a very cool response about being busy at the moment, but also drops his voice to let him know that if he can get away before seven, Molly's making meatballs. He then leads Harry out of the cubicle through another set of oak doors, another passage, then a distinctly shabby corridor, where an open broom cupboard stands on the left side. Across from that is another door, with a tarnished brass plaque reading Misuse of Muggle Artifacts. The office seems slightly smaller than the broom cupboard and is crammed with two desks and several overflowing filing cabinets, making the little remaining space difficult to maneuver. The little wall space is covered with Mr. Weasley's obsessions of various muggle artifacts, and there's a hiccuping toaster and a pair of empty leather gloves twiddling their thumbs on his desk. There's also a picture of the Weasley family next to his inbox, and Harry notices that Percy has walked out of it. Mr. Weasley comments on how they haven't got a window even though they have asked, and directs Harry to take a seat in Perkins's chair since he isn't there yet. Harry sits as Mr. Weasley looks through the parchment Kingsley has given him and grins when he finds and flicks through a copy of the Quibbler, agreeing that Sirius will find it amusing. He's interrupted by the arrival of a memo about a third regurgitating toilet. He explains to Harry that anti-muggle pranksters are rigging muggle toilets to overflow instead of flush. As he's explaining this to Harry, Perkins arrives, frantic and relieved that he's there, saying he just sent an owl to his home, but it has obviously missed him, and an urgent message arrived for him ten minutes ago. Arthur thinks it's about the regurgitating toilets, but Perkins explains that the Potter boy's hearing had a change of time and venue and is now at 8 o'clock in Old Courtroom 10. Mr. Weasley looks at his watch and yelps that they should have been there five minutes ago. The two run out of the office, no idea why the time had changed, but relieved they got there so early. They hurry back to the lift and Mr. Weasley pushes the button for level 9. Every time the lift stops, he hits the button again, angrily wondering why they're using the old courtrooms. He stops talking when a witch carrying a smoking goblet enters, and when she exits at the atrium level, a mournful-looking wizard gets on. He greets Arthur, commenting on how he doesn't see him down there very often, and Arthur replies to him that it's urgent business, calling him Bode. The lift finally stops at level 9, Department of Mysteries, and Mr. Weasley grabs Harry by the arm and leads him to the left and down a flight of stairs, still angrily ranting about why they're doing it down there. They reach the bottom of the steps and run along another corridor that reminds Harry of the one leading to Snape's dungeon, and keep moving until they reach courtroom 10. Panting, Mr. Weasley tells Harry to get in there, and when Harry tries to ask if he's coming with him, he explains that he's not allowed, but tells him good luck. 
Harry's heart is pounding as he reaches for the door handle and steps inside the courtroom. The movie section starts out with Harry and Mr. Weasley on the elevator at the Ministry of Magic. Kingsley Shacklebolt steps onto the elevator and pushes past them, stopping behind Arthur to whisper in his ear. Arthur says Merlin's beard and thanks him, then informs Harry that they have changed the time of his hearing to start in five minutes. Harry looks extremely nervous as the elevator begins to move backward and then drops down. When they reach the Department of Mysteries, Mr. Weasley, Harry, Kingsley, and the elevator attendant are the only ones left on it. Mr. Weasley glances back at Kingsley and receives a nod before he steps off the elevator with Harry on his heels. They make their way down an all-black-tiled corridor, pausing when they notice the Minister of Magic in conversation with Lucius Malfoy down a perpendicular hall. They pause talking and glance down towards Arthur and Harry, but then Mr. Weasley gestures for Harry to continue along and the camera focuses on them as they continue on their way. They stop and Mr. Weasley reminds Harry to speak only when spoken to and advises him to keep calm, saying he has done nothing wrong and using the muggle quote, the truth will out, to reassure him. Harry doesn't look very comforted and anxiously nods. Mr. Weasley then tells him that he isn't allowed in with him and wishes him luck as Harry nervously steps forward. So honestly, the biggest differences here is just how much the movie streamlined out. Once again, yes. It was just a lot of details that I guess weren't specifically necessary. But would have been fun. Would have been super fun. Yeah. But in the interest of saving time and... I kind of get it. I kind of get it, too. I just... It makes me sad. I would have loved to hear all of the different floors at the ministry. Yeah. And have the elevator stop at each one and have that woman's voice announce them all. Mm -hmm. I just... I get that it would have taken time and it wasn't necessary to the story, but it is such a magical part of it. Yeah. Plus, they're hilarious. Right? (laughs) They kind of start off in a similar place. Mm-hmm. In both, they are on the lifts. Ding! Woo! <laughs> Except in the book, at this point, the lift is going up. Mm-hmm. And they start at the atrium level, which is level eight. Which is weird. That should be ground floor, damn it. Yeah. They go to seven. They go to six. That was where we ended last week. So starting here, they stop at level five, the Department of International Magical Cooperation, incorporating the International Magical Trading Standards Body, the International Magical Office of Law, and the International Confederation of Wizards, British Seats. That's a lot of stuff in one department. It is. (laughs) And it would have been fun to hear the cool elevator voice say that. Yeah, I could have done that. Department of International Magical Cooperation, incorporating the International Magical Trading Standards Body, the International Magical Office of Law, and the International Confederation of Wizards, British Seats. Very nice. I could have done that. Such an elevator voice. I do. Hmm. Or phone sex operator. I'm not sure which one. Why Why not not both? both? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's got a moonlight. (laughs) I know what we're going to do. For your career when you are no longer able to babysit because you've moved back to Cleveland. Phone sex worker by day, elevator operator operator by by night. night. Or flip-flop that. Reverse it. Oh. Yeah, I suppose I'd be more busy if we flip-flopped it. You could also do both. And you could be a phone sex elevator operator. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's happening, but this elevator is turning me on. (laughs) 
So that's what the phone in the elevator is for. Could be. Huh. If not, we just found a new use for it. Right? <laughs> but yeah, in the book, it stops at each floor until they get to the second floor. So we get to go through five and then on four when some more witches get in and wizards get in and memos come in and leave and it's just busy and it just yeah. gives you that. And I know we got that feeling when they first walked in the atrium in the movie. It was mm -hmm. very busy. We established that feeling. Fine, I guess. <laughs> But I really wanted to hear him say level four, Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures, Incorporating Beast, Being, and Spirit Divisions, Goblin Liaison Office, and Pest Advisory Bureau. That's pretty awesome. Right? They're so great. <laughs> that is the floor that Bob with the Nihilist Chicken exits on. Yes. Which makes sense. Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. Right? I'm kind of sad that Goblin is under Magical Creatures, though. That just seems... Yeah, we always talk about how the house elf one could be an episode in itself. And I think the goblin one could oh, too. For sure. Really any. I mean, that encompasses goblin, centaur, house elf. Maybe that's what we just need. Like the other magical creatures episode. Yeah. Magical beings. The other magical beings episode. Yeah. Yeah. I like beings definitely better than creatures. Because yeah. they're not. They're not. I mean, they are. But they're not. But I just like it beings. is something we can discuss in the episode. Beings sound better. Beings does sound better. <laughs> but yeah, it is kind of awful that they are all on the same floor. Yeah. But that's... A wizarding prejudice. Yes, exactly. They're not woke. They are not woke. No. But then the lift keeps moving to level three. Mm-hmm. Department of Magical Accidents and Catastrophes, including the Accidental Magic Reversal Squad... Obliviator Headquarters, and Muggle-worthy Excuse Committee, which is quite possibly the office I would want to work in. Right. And also, that was our trivia question. It sure was. Jackson said after he answered it correctly that for sure anybody that wanted to work for that committee would have to take Muggle studies. Mm -hmm. And I think that's legit. Well, yeah. I would feel like anyone who worked for that committee had to be Muggle-born, too. Entirely possible. You know? Mr. Weasley was not muggle-born, but I feel very confident that he took muggle studies. Oh, yes. Mr. Weasley loves muggle studies. It's his favorite <laughs> subject. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but it's on level three that basically everybody exits except for Mr. Weasley and Harry. And then there's also a witch reading a piece of parchment so long it touches the floor. That's a hazard. <laughs> Especially with the Nihilist chicken. Right? But I do love the visual. Yeah. Maybe don't have that piece of parchment near the Nihilist chicken because, you know, fire. Right. That's what I'm saying. But, but yeah. Hazard. Indeed. Small elevator spaces. Yep. But then they move to level two, which is the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, including the improper use of magic office or headquarters and Wizengamot Administration Services. Which is where Arthur works. It is where Arthur works, although he apparently is not allowed to be included in the department names of the floor. No. Because he's misuse of muggle artifacts, which I guess falls into improper use of magic. Yeah. But improper use of magic is specifically stated in misuse of muggle artifacts is not. Yeah. Kind of a bummer for Arthur. A little bit. They totally undersell his importance. Mm-hmm. He's also probably undersold quite a lot at work in general. Oh, for sure. You know, because he's just the weirdo that likes plugs. Well, yeah. <laughs> Birds of a feather. <laughs> <laughs> But Arthur leads him off the elevator because this is their stop. And he said, we're on the other side of the floor. And they just start trekking across the ministry. 
Mm-hmm. They walk past a window that's just streaming with sunlight, and Harry's just like, aren't we underground? <laughs> and Mr. Weasley's just like, dude, magic. Right? Hello? How are you going to Giants inside tents when they're smaller on the outside? Yeah. And how are you not getting this yet? Dude, we literally just saw a fire-breathing chicken, and this is what you're focusing on? Honestly, I think it's the simplest things that seem to get him. I think he's getting yeah. used to the flashier ones, but things like walking into a tent that's bigger on the inside or seeing a sunlight streaming window underground. It's just he gets caught up on the little details. That is true. Yeah. But Mr. Weasley's just like, well, yeah, we're underground, but they're enchanted. Yeah. He tells him that magical maintenance decides what the weather's going to be. And apparently while they were angling for a pay raise, they had like four weeks worth of hurricanes. I love that. And I just think it would have been really fun just to have, even if like they walked past the window and it was a hurricane in the movie, just something little that we never even saw windows. No, there were no windows. It went directly from one windowless floor to another windowless floor. That was it. But he leads them around a corner through some heavy oak doors and they're into an open but very cluttered area that's divided into cubicles, Mm -hmm. which is labeled as the Auror Headquarters. And apparently they just have to walk right through this. And the way the cubicles are set up, it's just seeing right into these people's office, which is interesting. You'd think that Aurors would be treated a little bit more. You'd think they'd have to have some more security and privacy to it. But maybe it's like a police precinct, though, because theirs are all just like open desks and stuff. Yeah, that's true. It could be something like that. Maybe that's the vibe they were going for. Yeah, I mean, they are basically police. Mm -hmm. But Harry sees a long-haired wizard who's sitting with his feet propped up on his desk, and he's just like magically dictating to a quill to do the writing for him which god damn it do i wish i could do that you and me both it would be so amazing for the podcast for you be so much easier although, although <laughs> <laughs> considering what talk to text does for you i bet you a quill would be very similar yeah but i mean can't do any worse than we're doing now true that's true. all there is to it and then they also see a witch with an eye patch who's talking to Kingsley Shacklebolt. And Harry's just like, hey, I recognize him. <laughs> someone I know, someone I know. But like he starts to get really excited and, and then he stops because he notices that Kingsley and Arthur are like talking really coldly to one another. Like they mm-hmm. barely know each other. Yeah. And Kingsley's just like, morning, Weasley. I want to have a word if you have a second. And Arthur's just like, yeah, if it really is a second. Just like yeah. brusque, brushing him off, like whatever. There's some sass. Yeah. There's a little bit of sass going on. And at this point, Harry's just like, hey, Kingsley. And Arthur actually steps on his foot to stop him yeah. from saying something. Well, you gotta. Harry's not that quick on the uptakes. No, he's not. The boy just freaked out over sunlight coming through magical windows. He's not all there sometimes. He is definitely not a Ravenclaw, no. No. But anyway, they follow him to the very last cubicle in this station and Harry's just like overwhelmed by all of these pictures of Sirius. Mm-hmm. Just his dog father, photos, newspaper articles. Oh, like everywhere, just everywhere he turns, Sirius is staring at him. And he's probably there just like, what in the world? Just and- a whole bunch of crazy Gary Oldmans. Exactly. <laughs> and Kingsley's still being very brusque. And he just like shoves some parchment, like a whole stack of it into Arthur's hands. Mm-hmm. And is like, I need as much information as possible on flying muggle vehicle sightings because we received word that Sirius is still using his old motorcycle, uh-huh. which is hilarious because we know that Hagrid has it. Right. But he then gives a little wink to Harry mm-hmm. and adds on an undertone to Arthur saying, give him the magazine. 
<laughs> he might find it interesting. Yeah. And then goes back to his normal voice. And he's just like, and don't take too long. You really held us up with the delay on the report about the fire legs. <laughs> <laughs> and just as coolly, Arthur's just like, if you'd actually read my report, you'd know that it was fire arms, not fire legs. Mm hmm. As per my email. As per my email. And he's just like, also, we're super busy right now, so it's going to take as long as it's going to take. Mm -hmm. Then he lowers his voice and says, if you can get away before Seven Molly's making meatballs. Mm, meatballs. I'm just so mad that this was not included. I know. This was so amazing. I love this whole dynamic. I think both of these actors would have just fucking nailed this scene. Yes. And I just wanted all of it right here. Without a doubt. All of it. And, you know, it would have given a much better idea of the amount of secrecy that they have to have. Right. Better than what we got. Because it was just so quick. It was a nothing. Well, we'll talk about how they did yeah. it in the movie. So we'll get a little bit more yeah, on that we'll when get we get there, there. But just, you didn't get the idea nearly as well as you do here. This was definitely one of my strongest should have been in the movie moments. Mm -hmm. So you'll probably be seeing a meme of this one. Yep. Because everybody loves Molly's meatballs. <laughs> We're going to do those sometime for a cooking show episode. I was going to say, we really need to make those for the cooking show. We really need to get the cooking show back up and running. I have one nearly finished and two more that need to be edited. So they're there. They're, yeah. Finding time has been crazy, y'all. You're lucky you're getting these every week. It has been... A year. I'm going to go say. with shit show. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little bit crazy. We got to get caught up on cooking show episodes, on our Potterheads of History episodes. We got to get caught up on all that. But, you know, apparently God just hates us. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get anything done. This summer should help me be able to catch up on a lot of stuff. Yeah. You have a lot of travel coming up, too, though. Not this summer, thankfully. We no. have our Orlando trip for LeakyCon. Yes. But my big trip is not until October, so yeah, that should help. Also, if you're going to LeakyCon, please tell us, and we'll, like... Find you there. Find, find us Find you, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get us press passes, so <sighs> I applied. We shall see. Yeah. Anyone in charge of LeakyCon who's listening right now, give us press passes. Press passes. Press passes. Listen to the sultry sound of my voice and grant us press passes. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Moving on. They keep on going through another set of oak doors and then they find themselves in a distinctly shabby corridor. Those are the exact words from the book. Distinctly shabby because we've already talked about how Arthur is severely undervalued at the ministry. Mm -hmm. They also specifically mentioned that across from their office, the misuse of muggle artifacts is a broom cupboard that is larger than their office. Like maybe flip flop that for him. Like, why right. would you do that? Switch that around a bit, guys. Also, you're fucking magic. Like, right. Make it bigger on the inside. This isn't hard. Time Lords figured it out. You right? can too. They figured it out with their tents. <laughs> exactly. But they do have two desks crammed in there because it's Arthur and it is Perkins, who we do not meet in the movie, but we do get a brief meeting of him within this next paragraph here. But Harry gets to like walk in and just take inventory of Arthur's office, which is mm -hmm. like, you know, tons of muggle item pictures all over his walls. Yep. There's a hiccuping toaster on his desk and a pair of empty leather gloves that are twiddling their thumbs. <laughs> and i wanted to see this so bad too yeah i feel like that would have been so easy 
so easy you remember in the third movie when they had the wizard just like stirring, stirring and, and it was going I by itself yeah those little touches of magic and this is just another one of those we got bilked out of so many of the little magical touches that aren't important to the story fine i accept that however but they could be in the background while important things are happening yes they add so much depth and interest and fun and manic magical movies wow okay you're right i'm a little feisty today i hear this i was gonna say part of what i have been loving about doing this podcast is watching the same scene over and over again and finding little things that I maybe didn't see before or watching the deleted scenes over and over again to see stuff that I didn't see before. And then I'm like, oh my God, look at that guy in the background. Look what he's doing. That's so freaking cool, you know? And you don't get that nearly as much in this movie. And I have also been loving finding the little things in the book that do make it in even if it's super subtly like bob and his nihilist chicken yes i don't think i ever made the connection that that was straight from the book before Mm -hmm. it just seemed like a dude with a fiery box i think they make a cream for that i hope so (laughs) (laughs) anywho so they're just hanging out in the office perkins isn't there yet so arthur just has harry sit at his desk super difficult to maneuver around the two desks crammed in there I would say I'm sure there's no other alternative seating going on. Sit on the desk, I guess. Sure. But Mr. Weasley starts going through the parchment that Kingsley gave him, and he pulls out a copy of the Quibbler and just starts chuckling. He's like, oh, yeah, Sirius is going to find this amusing. (laughs) And what I love about this moment is we actually do get to see what he's supposed to find amusing later on. Yeah. So we'll talk about that then, too. But it's just so cute. And then they're interrupted by the arrival of a memo for them, which is about the arrival of a not the first one, not the second one, but the third regurgitating toilet found in the city. Darn those regurgitating toilets. And of course, Harry's just like regurgitating toilets, which it sounds just as gross as it sounds. Nothing about that phrase is pleasant. No, but Mm -hmm. apparently anti-muggle pranksters are rigging muggle toilets to regurgitate instead of flush when they pull the handle ew and arthur's in the middle of telling harry about this when perkins does arrive but he is frantic and he's just like thank god that i found you i just sent an owl to your house but it must have missed you there's been an urgent message about 10 minutes ago and arthur's just like oh about the regurgitating toilet yeah i found that one just got it (laughs) and perkins is like no no no. the potter boy's hearing had a change of time and venue it's now at eight o'clock and arthur looks at his watch and he's just like holy shit it's 805 we gotta go bitch we gotta go plus it's the venue has been changed to courtroom 10 no longer madame bones's office Mm -hmm. which that does not bode well no no not at all it's actually amazing how none of this happened in the movie not even a lick of it no it's really sad We do briefly see Kingsley, and they use him to get the information that the hearing changed. But, I mean, other than that, I would barely call this corresponding. Yeah, it's like a tease of Kingsley. It's King's Tease? Teasley? Teasley, there we go. Damn it. You got it. It's nowhere near as fun. We don't actually hear him tell Arthur. Yeah, we don't even get to hear his voice, which is sad, because that is a voice voice that needs to be heard. His voice is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't even get to hear him. We just see Arthur's reaction to it. And Arthur's reaction in the movie is nothing like how it was in the book, which no. we'll get to because we're almost there. Yeah. But in the book, 
they both run out of the office. They're like, why did the time change? And Arthur's like, I have no idea, but thank God we got here as early as we did because you're still late and this is not good, but at least you're not hours late. Yeah. And they hurry back to the lift. Mr. Weasley pushes the button for level nine. And then every time the lift stops, he just like keeps hitting the button again because that's what you do <laughs> in elevators. Right. Apparently even magical ones. Right? I always have my finger, like, poised over the oh, yeah. closed door button. Oh, like, yeah. Come on, let's go. Especially if somebody you don't want on the elevator is coming up to get on it with you. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hold that elevator. I well, am. I'm, 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 I'm swear I'm pushing door open. I don't know what's happening. I'm touching the button. I don't I tried. Sorry. Sorry. Bye. Not sorry. <sighs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> but no, like, every time, and I just love the picture of this, and I really wish we could have seen this, but there was an elevator attendant so that that wouldn't even been possible right but every single time he pushes the button he's like why in the world is it down in these old courtrooms and arthur is usually so genial that i would have loved to see him get to show a little bit more emotion mm-hmm. he's so go with the flow in the right. movies and it's just doesn't dirty yeah doesn't dirty and he's angry right now yeah to the point that when a witch comes on on one of the levels, mm-hmm. she's carrying a smoking goblet and he's just like, do-do-do-do-do, I can't say anything or I'm going to say something <laughs> I shouldn't in front of her. This is not good. Right. And then she exits at the atrium level and this mournful looking wizard gets on that Arthur refers to as Bode. So we get a little bit of an introduction to him ahead of time as well because we'll hear more about him. Not in the movie. <laughs> not in the movie. But in the book we do. Yeah. And he's just like, I don't see you down here very often. And Arthur's just like, urgent business. And again, won't give him any detail, even though this guy is actually on the inn. Yeah. So is interesting. Not in the movies, not. Not in the movie. <laughs> this part of the movie section, I mean, it just starts out with them already in the lift from the first time they got in it. But they are in the lift. They are. So ding. No, it's a dong. It's, it's a dang. It's a dih. Or maybe just an ing. It's a meh. Nah. Anyway, it's picking up from where it left off with them in the elevator. Kingsley then gets onto the elevator and he takes a spot right behind Arthur and quietly like whispers in his ear, which again, like we said, you should have to hear Kingsley's voice. Kingsley's voice. That's just a thing. Come on. Slow measure deep. <laughs> yes, sir. But Arthur is just like, holy shit, they changed the time of your hearing. It's now in five minutes and we got to haul some ass. And, you know, even your sum up of how Arthur reacted is an exaggeration from how it was in the movie. Oh, yeah. He was totally chill in the movie. He was just like, oh, good heavens. Yeah. The time's changed. Merlin's beard. Well, now we have to get to your hearing, which is in five minutes. And that's it. Which is also a change from the book since they were already five minutes late to the hearing when they got the news. Mm hmm. But then, you know, elevator goes down, lift stops at level nine, Department of Mysteries. Yes. And Mr. Weasley grabs him by the arm and has to lead him to the left down another flight of stairs because they still aren't all the way to where these courtrooms are. (sighs) And he's just like, why are we doing it down there? This makes no sense. It was supposed to be in Amelia Moses' office on Mm -hmm. my floor. Yeah. And that's the other thing is he doesn't say anything about a change of venue either. No. In the movie. It's It's like it was always supposed to be in the courtrooms. Yeah. That's where they were already going. Yeah. But yeah. So Harry's just like, oh, damn, as the elevator starts moving backwards and then down because apparently Willy Wonka designed it. You know what? I have no problems. Total headcanon that Willy Wonka was a wizard. Oh, I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. And I love that. So Mm -hmm. honestly, could be one of the Weasley twins. I'm not saying I hate that. Right. Because I don't. There we go. (laughs) But 
then the elevator comes to a stop as a woman's voice can be heard saying, Department of Mysteries. So we got one. Yeah. He wanted the others. Yeah. We got the most boring one is what we got. The most mysterious, if mm, you will. Yeah. The most meh. Meh. Could have done so much better. Yeah. But the door is open to show that Mr. Weasley, Harry, and Kingsley are the only ones left along with the operator who is there for some reason. Because it's difficult to press a button. Yeah. Can't press a button. And Arthur gives Kingsley a backward glance as he and Harry step off the elevator. And Kingsley just kind of like gives him a little nod. What's up? What's going on? Nowhere near as fun as if you can get away before seven Molly's making meatballs. Right? Just we saying. needed a mention of Molly's meatballs. Absolutely. But yeah, like I was saying, the biggest differences here are that we don't meet Bode. Like at all. Yeah. And Kingsley is actually on the lift with them when he wasn't in the book. He was on level two. Yeah. They also don't have to run down another flight of stairs. They just get off the elevator on the correct level. Which is not how it happened in the book. No, not at all. And they reach the bottom of those stairs and they have to run along another corridor that it specifically states reminds Harry of the one leading to Snape's dungeon. Mm-hmm. And then they keep going until they reach courtroom 10. In the movie, it does not resemble the corridor leading to Snape's dungeon. <laughs> not even a little bit. I don't think his no. is that fancy. It was very, like, chic and... Kind of elegant, even. It was, yeah. It was... It Muy was elegante. The black tile, and I would do my bathroom the way this thing was oh, decorated. Yeah. It, was... it was kind of badass. But it was definitely not, like, the corridor leading to Snape's dungeon no. at all. And I don't know about you, but I had a really weird desire to like roller skate in there i know for sure i would go in my socks and i would run and slide as far as i could see i don't know that that would work though because there's the grout between each tail i feel like you underestimate my sock sliding abilities that's entirely possible i actually underestimate everybody's sock sliding ability because i just fall on my ass so i assume <laughs> everybody else does but i just want to roller skate that's all i know oh, that's fair still sliding yeah on wheels mm-hmm but they come to a stop when they see good old corny fudge and Nazi von Douchebag the first talking in hushed tones down another hallway. The two cut their conversation off when they realize they're no longer alone, because that's what sketchy people do. And for a second, it looks like they're about to like rumble or at the very least have an intense staring contest. Sure. But Mr. Weasley just puts his hand on Harry's shoulder and urges him to continue walking, which probably the right call, all things considered. Yeah, like you said, he's very calm and just go with the flow in this movie. Mm -hmm. And really, this is not the time to get into a rumble. Definitely not. It's just not. And we kind of see this later in the book. Mm -hmm. It's set up differently. I actually find it a bit odd that they decided to include it here because in the very next scene, Fudge is already at the bench. And how the hell did he get there before Harry? Yeah. But we'll talk more about this later. It is what it is. That's the magic of film. <laughs> yeah, it was not working for me. No. But yeah, so we'll end up talking more about that when we actually reach that scene in the book mm -hmm. because we actually hear what they're talking about then so we can compare the two at that point. Yeah. And I think it makes more sense the way that it happened in the book. So we'll end up touching base with that more there. Yeah. The movie, we just like you hear a little tiny bit of the conversation, but not. It's like literally word. It's just like Corny Fudge just being like, well, we could do that. But then whatever. And that's it. Yeah. It's like wah, 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 wah. Yeah. I know at least they included it. At least we saw that they were meeting in private. Yeah. But 
it, it did add a nice level of sketchiness yeah. to the hearing that we don't really get throughout the rest of the movie. True. Because in the movie, it all just kind of seems like, okay, yeah, this is what happens. You go to a hearing, you go to this, you go to this. Again, the location of the hearing hadn't been changed in the movie. So the whole time it was supposed to be in the Department of Mysteries. Apparently. Apparently. So that didn't seem super sketch. It was just what you do. And so for this, you're kind of like, oh, wait, maybe things aren't on the up and up. I mean, you knew it if you've watched the other movies, obviously. You knew nothing good can come of this. I mean, in the second movie, we literally saw Lucius try to cast a vodka cadaver on Harry. Yeah. Dude is sketchy as fuck, and he's meeting privately with the minister. I'm so glad they included it. I hate how they included it. I especially hate the fact that Fudge is there, and then Harry walks through the door and Fudge is there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess one could say that that was, you know, the magic of editing or whatever is is Harry was actually sitting there for a while before Fudge came in. or Or they did have to go down a flight of stairs we just didn't see it but you know what fuck you i want to see it right if you have to go all this extra route i want to fucking see it and so is there like a back door that fudge gets to go through that like (laughs) (laughs) you are 12 fudge in the back door yeah i just walked right into that one (sighs) so immature you love me i do i'd argue my immaturity is why you love me so It is part of the reason, yes. I thought so. But anyway, in the book, all of this aside, (laughs) back on track, the other thing that was really missing from the movie was that rush to get there. Like, yes, they had five minutes. They were like, oh, dear, we need to get there. But in the book, they were yelling. Mr. Weasley was panting. They, like, rushed down this corridor. And they get to the door. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Weasley's just like, all right, Harry, get in there. And Harry's just like, aren't you coming with me? And I don't blame him. I don't like no, oh yeah. what in the world is this ministry? Like the government cannot just take an underage child into a hearing without an adult present. Like right? what this is so fucking sketchy. This is incredibly sus. Because dude, in no world is this okay. No, it's not. But apparently in the magical one it is. Yeah. This is stuff you hear about and you're going, that's a fucking war crime, is yeah. what that is, you know? But this one, you're just like, oh, no, apparently that's totally normal. Totally normal. And Harry just accepts this. And Arthur's just like, can't go in. Good luck. Yeah. And Harry's just like, okay. Deuces, sucker. And his heart is pounding. And he reaches for the door handle, opens it, and steps inside the courtroom. Because what else can he do at that point? Run and hide. That's what I'm doing. End up expelled, (laughs) I guess. See, in the same sense that I would not survive a zombie movie, because I just lay down and say, oh, just be done with it. Just just get it over with. That would be me in this. I'd just be like, just expel me. I don't have the fight. <laughs> I don't care. Let it happen. <laughs> just let I it would happen. definitely have the fight, but I would also probably get myself in trouble with my sass. Well, yeah. I think that's part of the reason I don't have the fight is because I know my sass gets me into trouble. So I'm just like, <laughs> why bother? This is too much energy to hold back. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But no, Harry's got the sass. He's got the fight. He doesn't want to be expelled. So he opens the door and walks in. Mm Mm-hmm. And this part is about as close as a 
actual ding as we get in this section. Like, aside from the elevator thing. Yeah. Which does not count. It, no, it doesn't. <laughs> that was a wishful ding is what that, that was. was. Yeah. Wishful dinging. Wishful dinging. <laughs> Episode title. Yep. <laughs> But they reach Harry's destination and Mr. Weasley begins his pep talk, you know, telling Harry not to speak unless spoken to, to keep calm and carry on, and a few other phrases that he got from Dumbledore's cross-stitch collection, of course. And this is kind of reminiscent of the pep talk that he got from everyone in the kitchen before they left in the first half of this chapter. So I guess at least they included it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like It's somewhat in there, but again... Like, Arthur's supposed to be rushing through this to get him into this room on time or, you know, as close to on time as he can. And they're just standing outside the door staring at it. Right. While Arthur's like, I honestly think that I would have liked this scene better and it may have been harder to shoot. Mm -hmm. But I honestly think I would have liked it better if they had him giving him this pep talk as they were running down the corridor. Right. That would have been kind of neat. I would have liked that. Then you could have had the out of breath panting while he's trying to say it. And yeah, (laughs) a little bit more of a panic to it, that rushed feeling. So then it's they get to the door. And then it would be exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. But no, in the movie, they just meander from the elevator to the fucking door. Stop and have a staring contest with Nazi von Douchebag the first. Just a stroll down the hallway. Yet they still um, actually... I think we just figured out why Fudge beat him to the courtroom. <laughs> they were just they were taking their sweet ass time. Down. Yeah. Good lord! But so Arthur, they meander to the thing. Arthur gives him his little pep talk, and Harry's just like nodding, but at the same time, he's shitting his pants. Like he's glad he wore the brown pants because there is just a lot going on right now in his head, and he's freaking out understandably right and arthur tells him that he's not allowed in so ding so ding Uh, we must and he gives harry one last look and he tells him good luck and harry's just kind of like oh fuckity fuck 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 fuckity fuck 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 and then he steps forward (laughs) yeah like we said what else are you gonna do and ding yeah like I was saying, if they had him giving him that pep talk on the run down the hall, they could have gone to the door, stopped, gone through the can't go in with you. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Harry nods, walks to the door. Pretty much identical. Yeah, exactly. But the way they did it took the urgency out of it. And I oh, wanted yeah. it. Yeah. I totally wanted to see all that urgency. And we didn't get that. Not only because they weren't technically late, even at this point. Right. So there was that, but there was also, like, a lot of the way they change things, too. He doesn't get sent the letter at home because he's already in the ministry. But it was almost like they sent Kingsley to let him know that it had changed before it started. Yeah. It just didn't seem right. The way it seemed in the book was that this was purposely done. To stack everything against Harry? To stack everything against Harry. And you get that vibe in... The movie, but not. We'll talk more about that next week. Not nearly. Like, it's almost like they decided to change this hearing time to the past. You know, like, hey, we're going to change this hearing to five minutes ago. (laughs) Right. 
you know what? The hearing started five minutes ago. We just decided it. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And that's why there was such the rush. And that's why there was such the craziness going on in the book. And you didn't get that in the movie because they changed the time. You still had five minutes to they get there on time. They didn't make him late. No, they didn't make him late at all. I wish they had. I definitely wish they would have done that. It didn't convey the beginnings of the evilness of the ministry. Yeah. That's starting. Yeah. It was sus, but it wasn't evil. Yeah. In the book, and we'll talk a lot more about this next week, in the book, they really stack shit against him. Yeah. And you get a hint of that during the hearing in the movie. But in the mm. book, like I said, this is next week's topic, but it is so crazy just how bad it was for him and just how shitty they were to him. Yeah. And mm. that urgency was the start of that. And it was lacking. Yeah, definitely. It didn't bring the feel of the book with it. Yeah. At all. No, I agree. And that's sad. It is sad. And then on top of that, because they streamlined so much and shifted things like that, we got bilked out of characters to talk about this time. We did. Because it was pretty much all just Harry and Arthur, who we've already talked about mm -hmm. from the previous scene for Arthur. And obviously, Harry, we talked about the moment we saw him. Yeah, we see Kingsley, but again... He doesn't do anything yet. He doesn't talk, which is a crime against everything that we know and love. And we should have gotten to talk about him in this scene. We already talked about how fantastic it would have been to see him and Arthur do that little dance. Yeah. He was literally a dance. Exactly. I love the idea, like talking loud for everyone to hear and being cold to this person and then mm -hmm. lowering their voice and just being like, hey, bud. Sub guy. Hey. And I just really <laughs> wanted to see that. And I feel like that dynamic was just so much fun. And then we could have talked about how Kingsley did that. And still, we don't get to talk about Kingsley until much later on in the movie when yeah. he finally actually says something beyond one sentence and even yeah. then i think it's even still then it's one pretty sentence. much just one sentence but i love the way he says it so we're saving it for then yes it's an important sentence yeah if you ask me and like you said we see the minister and malfoy briefly mm -hmm. but you can't really hear what they're saying so we can't talk about them yet obviously we can talk about the minister in the next scene yeah but i mean malfoy is just kind of meh and we will see much more of malfoy as well too so we will, but it's almost too late at that point. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, obviously it's not too late, but it just feels like... It's going to be a long-ass time from now oh, by the time we get there. Yeah. But he didn't do anything to talk about other than look his normal slimy self. Like, Yeah. Not slimy, but sleazy. Other than being sketchy. Yeah, he... he's super sketch. Super yeah. sus. He's not even sketchy. He's like a full-ass finished painting. Yep. It's not even a sketch. He is a portrait of Sus. He is a portrait. He is the Sistine Chapel of Suspect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, so we don't have actors yet. No, sadness. This was just a extreme streamlined, extreme-lined <laughs> movie from the book. Second half of the chapter. Mm -hmm. But yeah, since we have no people to talk about boohoo that'll bring us to this week's potter pondering which is what department would you like to work for or just visit in the ministry the most find the post on our facebook page and share your thoughts or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail 
Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. And don't forget, so you can also stitch a response to us on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our sorting hat story, which is from Ashley. No E. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Ashley, no E is what she specifically says. She writes, I'm Ashley, no E, a witty 30 plus Ravenclaw. I'm also a healer slash muggle nurse. My wand is pine wood with unicorn hair core, 10 and three quarters inches with rigid flexibility. My Patronus is a Thestral, which I guess fits because I'm kind of spooky. I got into Harry Potter in seventh grade. My aunt was my physical science teacher for a short while and gave me the book because I've always been an avid reader, with her teaching me at four years old. She didn't even say much, just, I know you'll like this one. Little did she know I'd become obsessed. When I received Sorcerer's Stone, the second and third books were already out, and I quickly snatched them from the library and read through them in a few days. My aunt and I were always close, though not physically due to me being an army brat. But Harry Potter held us tightly together over the phone and in between visits until she passed away in my sophomore year of high school. Then it was just the wizarding world holding me together. Every time I needed to escape reality, I found myself in the books, which have always helped to sate my depression. I've been at every midnight book release, starting with Goblet of Fire with my mom and ending with Deathly Hallows with my newborn son. I even lost a job at my local movie theater for losing it on a co-worker who spoiled Half-Blood Prince for me while I was reading it on my break. Looking back, I would have read it in the car, but I'm not taking back the choice words I gave that dude. I read the rest of the book just waiting for my favorite professor to be murdered. I never had any true friends who also loved Harry Potter, so I get my fix from rereading and rewatching the films. And many Facebook groups, which I found your podcast recommended in in a comment. Now you guys and your keepers are my new HP buddies. Let's not talk about how long or how many of my responsibilities were neglected catching up on over 100 podcast episodes while reading the corresponding chapters in between. Let's just keep rolling. Love you guys and thanks for making this podcast. Ah, I love Ashley. I know. And she's not joking. Not even buddies. She's one of our new best friends. Oh, yeah. She doesn't even get a choice. In no, she's just <laughs> we claim her. She is ours now. She is ours. Yes. And she is super witty. One of the highlights of editing these episodes together is pulling her audio clip out of my email Mm -hmm. and combing through it the first time and just listening to her soothing yet sassy voice. Right. Oh, my gosh. And she's so funny. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for finding us and joining us and becoming a patron and then sharing your sorting hat story with us. Ashley, we love you so much. Yes. Thank you. You are amazing. And you're never leaving us. (laughs) We're really looking forward to meeting you in person at LeakyCon, too. Hell yeah. Good times. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. You can also message it to us over social media. Or, as usual, post it on our Sorting Hat Saturday post. This week's trivia question is, what is Miss Fig's full name? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word, hashtag middle name two, will get a sticker. 
Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 8, the hearing, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling.